All right, welcome to In Search of the Story, folks. Uh, Chris and Olivia are back. This week has been like OG week. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way, but we got OG week. Yeah. We have uh, we had Colby and myself on Gaming Astoria, which had uh, ended up in mannequin sex. And now we have Olivia and myself here, so who knows where it's going to be. Um, so how you been, Olivia? Ah, good. Just uh, work is crushing me right now. And I went to a press screening today of Ethan Hawke's movie called uh, First Reformed. And it just, oh my god, it rocked my world. It was terrible. So that threw off my terrible in the sense that it, it made me feel terrible. Like I had a really shitty reaction to it. And it, like, made threw off my entire afternoon. But I'm good now. I'm happy to be talking with you now. So it's just Aww. been kind of a rough uh, last couple of weeks. But how have you been? Um, I've been good. It's, uh, it's, it's been very busy around here with, with school almost done for the kid and me closing in on the end of this term, so I'm just trying to get as many classes done as I can so that uh, I don't have to borrow too much money to finish. Um, is is your coursework like a complete on your own time kind of thing? Yeah, we have like an, we, we have a mentor or an instructor or professor that we speak to weekly, um, and we have courses that we can attend, but we don't have to if we can test out of it. And since I'm working towards a business degree, Ultimately, hopefully an MBA and in advertising or something like that. Um, most of it's stuff I've done my whole life. So I've been testing out of all this initial stuff. So it hasn't been too bad. It's just been finding the time. and. Oh, shit. I left the kettle on the stove. Sorry. Hold on one second. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> I think it'd be better if we had a burn down the, the house episode. So I'm just going to entertain. We're not going to edit this out. We're going to keep this in because it's fun. And the kettle on the stove makes Olivia sound very classy, very posh. And whenever she gets back, we will explain what we're doing this week, because it's going to be fun stuff. And we're not going <clears> to... <throat> we're not going to hold off too much on, uh, on what we talk about, so it's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. There will be some spoilers, so we'll say that now, but we'll tell you when they're coming. So you'll know not to uh, not to sit in on those. Um, so how have the listeners uh, been doing? Sorry about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I, I was keeping them entertained with uh, my ramblings. Oh, good. Yeah, I decided, you know what? I could edit out this part, or I could have a private conversation with them. While you're out doing that. Oh, good. I can uh, I can hear what the secret conversation was only once it's put together. Yep, exactly. So you're going to have to listen. And like <laughs> all the listeners, leave a review on Apple. Somebody please leave a review for something. Um, we just, we just want to know if we're on the right path or not. I mean, so far we have zero reviews, but we have people wa- or listening. I was about to say watching, but that would be boring. Um, we have people listening. Um, so with that said, the, the, you're safe. The kettle's not going to burn down the house. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, 
forgot that I was going to make a cup of tea and, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's so fancy. Um, <laughs> how do you make tea? I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's water around the clock for me and these days. Um, that's and, good. And smoothies. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So this week. I I think I think I I think the last time we did a podcast, I burnt all my hate and anger, um, just in time for council number two to come out, which is coming out next week. Oh my um, god, is it really? Yeah, and uh, you get it two days early since you bought the season pass. Oh yes! Oh, I'm so excited! Yeah. I uh, I uh, I just I oh my god, that's great news. Yeah, it's gonna be a hot mess. Um, but it's gonna be so much fun. So this time we're going something a little bit more chill, and I'm actually gonna plug something real quick because we we just got an update. Uh, my fingers to my ear right now because uh, a breaking update just come in. Okay. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter have just signed on to reprise their roles as the San Dimas time travelers for Bill and Ted Face the Music, the sequel or the the threequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is only important because one of the people on our site, Andy and I, recently recorded a podcast about Cobra Kai, and that's going to be one of our new podcasts where the two oldest guys on the site talk about old stuff, and that one is called Chris and Andy, or Chris and Andy's Excellent Adventure. And so, a little tie-in right there. Nice. There's going to be another Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure coming out. And it happened because of us. Again, we predicted the future. I can go back to like four different times we've done it in podcasts so far. It's amazing. We are wow. we are gaming we should be gaming Nostradamia. <laughs> because we've been we've been predicting one thing after another. So anyways, today though, we're going a little bit lighter because I imagine once we hit the council part two, I'm gonna be on fire again. So we're gonna go with something a little bit more um a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more uh, calm, I would say. Something that, that won't fire me up quite as much. Because, man, if you haven't listened to that one, that one was fun. And we had we had some things to say. Um, but this week, we're going to talk about the evolution of characters in franchises. So instead of... We've kind of covered something a little bit like this whenever we talked about Lara Croft and the evolution of the Tomb Raider series. So what we're working on this week, what we're going to talk about this week, a little bit more lighthearted than what we, well, maybe, a little bit different than what we worked on in some of the previous episodes, especially if you listen to the Council episode. We're going to look at the evolution of characters in a game. If you listened whenever we did the Tomb Raider episode that, that did the evolution of the game in general along with the character... This one's going to be more just about the characters. So we're going to talk about Kratos from the new God of War. Um, we're going to talk about Laura Croft, especially with the new one coming out. And then we're going to talk about Nathan Drake and kind of their their evolutions as a character. Not so much in the realm of the game as in the realm of their character themselves. Uh, you know, how the world around them affected them. And uh, so that's where we're going to start. And I... I guess, do you want to start with Kratos or Lara? Uh, I can, I can talk most, 
knowedly, what is the proper terminology there? I know the most about Laura, I know the least about Kratos, and then Nathan's like the middle ground. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, I was planning on just plain. asking you questions about Kratos. I've heard the, the most I know about him is from his most recent game. So, um, okay. I was kind of like how sometimes when I uh, am a little more familiar with the topic and you're like, oh, I was planning on just asking you questions. That's kind of what I was thinking, if that's all right with okay. you. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that, and I'm going to do the same for Laura, because I, I played some of the new Tomb Raiders, but I don't have the knowledge like you do. Okay. So, um, I guess fire away, and I'll, I'll kind of get to the different things about Kratos, and then... And, and the reason that, that I wanted to talk about Kratos, there's going to be a few spoilers in here. I'm not real far into it yet, um, but because now he's a father, I wanted to, to kind of cover that playing as a father okay. uh, with a daughter that's about the same age. But there will be a few spoilers, but I'm probably like two or three hours in. So if you've played past the two or three hour mark, nothing's going to be spoiled. If you haven't, uh, there's not a whole lot of stuff that's going to be spoiled. But just just fair warning there, there's, there's a little bit of spoilers, but mainly I'm talking about the early parts of the game. Okay. Um, and do you, you want me, you're going to start talking about Kratos, but I can ask you questions. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll kind of give the background of Kratos and then where we are now, and, and oh, okay, I'm okay, going to okay. do a really really shoddy job on his history because it's a very it's a it's a very very long story to get to where he is now. Oh, okay. I'm going to give I'm going to give the very basic uh, elevator pitch yeah, on how good. Kratos is where he how he started to where he is, and he started off as a Spartan warrior, which as a history fan, the only thing I like or. The thing that comes in second place to the revolutionary period is actually the the Spartans. I, the the battle of the, what you saw in three hundred. Um, yeah. <laughs> the battle at the Hot Gates, uh, King Leonidas, the the dual king system that the Spartans had set up, the the marching that Athens and and Sparta would have against each other to, every summer to go to war for whatever reason you know the whole idea of, of that time period I, I really enjoy and i've and i've studied that quite a bit not as much recently but i've spent i've spent a lot of time in that period reading about it so whenever the first god of war came out in like 2005 i was super excited about it character was about the same age as me so i couldn't relate to being some super badass who could tear people up as a spartan but <laughs> he was he was around my age and i could relate to the anger because I was a hothead whenever I was that age. Um, and it starts off with him as a Spartan. He is going up against a barbarian group. Defeats them. Shit goes south. They fight again. He's about to die. He calls out to Ares to, to save him. And he'll do whatever Ares wants. So Ares, the Greek god of war. Because the original god of war series. One, two, three, and for well, the everything up to this one was all based on the Greek pantheon of gods. So Ares, the god of war, comes down and saves him and makes him his basically puppet because they they want to have this. He he wanted like this super warrior that could help overthrow uh, the other gods so that Ares could become the big guy. And so, long story short, he makes. Kratos start killing people, gives him all his powers, and and the if you ever have watched the original God of War series, he has like these blades that he slings out on chains. 
Those are actually chains that are put around his wrist with weapons at the end of them by Ares to show that he's in servitude, but they're also extremely powerful weapons. Ares drives him into a blind rage. He goes into a, to this to one of the cities. I think he actually goes back to, to Sparta or Athens or something. And uh, Ares tells him something along the lines of there's this particular temple that you need to destroy. And so Kratos says, sure, I'm going. An oracle shows up, old lady. And she says, do not do what you're about to do. You'll regret it for the rest of your life. So he pushes her aside and goes in and destroys everything. And then Ares removes the uh, the illusion that he had put in Kratos's mind. And what he sees is that he burnt this temple to the ground and his wife and daughter are there on the ground burning to death. And so... He had killed his wife and daughter, walks out, the oracle's there, kind of, ha-ha, I told you so, uh, sucker. And Kratos is, you know, just furious that he was pushed into this, and the oracle curses him. The reason that he's gray is because he wears the ashes of his wife and daughter. He's cursed to wear the ashes of his wife and daughter that he killed for the rest of his life. Um, so from there, Kratos gets pissed, goes on a... Rampage works some with some of the other gods, eventually fights and kills Ares, becomes the new god of war, eventually overthrows the entire Greek pantheon. The end. And he constantly wants to die because he he has a lot of trouble living with the guilt of killing his own family. So whenever you pick up in the new god of war, now based on Norse mythology, so instead of having Ares and... Um, Zeus and all of those now you and Poseidon now you have uh Thor Odin Loki all of those guys so now you're in Norse mythology the the Marvel comics mythology world the ones that you know um and I don't know why he's there what's going on there um still early on so like I said there's not gonna be a whole lot of spoilers but he has a son now who's probably between eight and ten years old uh, he calls him boy all the time. His The boy's name is actually Atreus. Uh, and whenever the game starts, his wife and the mother of Atreus had just died. And he and and the boy, which I'm, I'm almost positive they're, they're biological father and son. They, there's, there's no reason not to think that as you get a little bit farther into it. They just have a very strained relationship. Um... So as you start off the game, you're starting off with their relationship and their quest is to, or their goal is to take the ashes of the mother and wife to this mountain where she wanted to be, uh, you know, her ashes spread on this mountain. And the, the boy has some sickness issues and stuff like that, that they haven't fully revealed yet. And a few things transpire, which get them on the road, even though Kratos doesn't think either one of them is ready to do it. So <clears throat> that's that's where God of War, that that's where we are in the God of War story right now. I'm a little bit farther into it, but that's the story up to this point. So I guess my first question is, <clears throat> from what I've heard about the game, it's more of like a hack'em, slash'em, and have sex with a bunch of ladies kind of game um, where the story wasn't really that not that it wasn't great but it didn't it wasn't the main focus of the game 
Is that true? Yeah. Because I, I've heard that four had, the, the fourth one has taken a little more time uh, and a little more care to kind of craft a really uh, yeah, the, developed story. Yeah, the original God of Wars, the story was there, especially if you knew Greek mythology, you would get a lot more out of it than if you didn't. But it was very like, hey, here's Poseidon, you need his head so you can do this. Or here's, you know, whoever, and you need to kill him so you can do this or whatever. It was just a revenge story. But it was very much about TNA and nonstop fighting. You, there was there was some there there was a good amount of puzzle solving in it, but not not extremely difficult puzzles. And the very first game, the the two thousand five God of War. After you beat the first level, you're in bed with two naked women. And then from there, you go on to kill a whole lot of people in the most violent ways possible. And it just, it grows more and more in that way. And, and the story was a piece of it, but it was, it took the backseat to, it, it was it was more of what was pushing the action forward as opposed to the action was being done because of the story. The story was just there to justify the nonstop action, and and the story's good, but it's it's not it doesn't compare to the 2018 God of War story. I see. Okay. <clears throat> so, what has his character progression been like? Then he was pretty much the same person for the first three games, and then now he he has some emotional depth. Yeah, there's there's a lot, and there was there was some depth to him in the original games. He was full of rage, but there was regret. He tried to kill himself multiple, at least once, I think multiple times, because uh, he couldn't get over the guilt. But you didn't get into who he was as a character to the same level that you do in the new God of War. So in, in the old God of Wars, angry Hulk smash. Uh, I feel bad that I killed my family, and. Oh, here's another god. I'm going to go kill him. I feel bad I killed my family. Um, but he was still acting under Ares's orders? Until uh, in the first game, yes. Uh, by the end of the first game, you kill Ares and become the god of war. And He kills point, Ares and becomes the god of war. Yes. And then at that point, it's a revenge quest against all of the gods. Because all the gods are playing different games. Um and he, you know, it's there's a lot of story to it. I don't remember every detail of the entire story. I watched a couple of videos recently that go over the entire story. And it's like 30, 45 minutes long to get the whole story of what happened. And there's a lot of gods coming in to get you to do what, what they want you to do. And it, ultimately it comes down to, to him wanting to just destroy the gods because they're ruining everybody's lives. And... Now, from from what I remember, and this is—I'm not 100% on this, but I'm almost positive that he destroyed the Greek pantheon. He killed Zeus. I know that much, um, and I think that's where it ended. Is he killed Zeus finally, who was actually his father? Um, so he was the son of Zeus and another woman. What? And so, yeah. So he's kind of like a Hercules character, um, which kind of. It can work. There's there's a lot of Greek stories that were missing, and Zeus was um, he he really wanted to sow his seeds. The, so even though Hercules is that big 
child of the gods story that we know about, he's not the only one. Um, oh, there are, there are many. But the yeah, fact the- <laughs> that he like killed his family, that's exactly what happened to Hercules. Right. It, 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's that's uh, it could have been called Hercules, but did you know, did you you know that his name is actually Heracles? Yes. I it is I was almost Heracles. a classics minor, and so coming from someone like me who loves all of these movies and different entertainment that have Greek mythology infused in them. And then learning all the proper pronunciation after the fact, it was always like, oh, damn. I yeah, was, it's always hard to go back and, and say Heracles. not Patroclus. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, what's what's awesome is is I'm going to do, so I, so I don't forget later, if you have not tried out Audible or if you have Audible and you have a book that you're wanting to get, get Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. He does the actual uh, reading of it. And he's rewritten some of the Norse stories about their gods for a modern take. And it's an incredible book. Or by the book itself, Norse, mytholo- Norse Mythology by No Gaiman. It's absolutely incredible. And I'm listening to it yet again um, now that I'm playing God of War. Because a bunch of these things are coming up. Like the Bifrost and, and Tyr and the, the World Tree and you know things like that. Uh, Yggdrasil. All that different stuff, and I just wanted to hear the stories again because he tells them so well. So that's a that's a little plug in there for No Gaming because he did an awesome job with that book. You're actually listening um, to it right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I have it in one ear um, as we speak. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe that Odin just did that. Um, one of the things that I that I really like about mythology as a whole, and one of the reasons that I really wanted to play this God of War and really wanted it to be good was that my now i'm gonna piss off some of our listeners with this my my dad as i've mentioned is a historian and he studied religion quite a bit and we talked religion quite a bit and there's a lot of parallels between the stories that i grew up uh because i was raised baptist and different mythological stories like odin hung himself from a tree with a spear in his side to be sacrificed to himself so that he could gain wisdom, which is very similar to another story, which is to save man by somebody being, you know, hanged from something with a spear in their side and then coming back three days later. Odin came back nine days later. But there's a lot of very similar stories. And, and so I've always been really fascinated by listening to him. Um, the creation in the Norse world, which some of these stories come up from Atreus and God of War you meet the world serpent and he comes around a little bit later in it. But, you know, at one point the entire world was flooded whenever they killed uh, one of the original Titans and stuff. So you get these little, little parallels to, to other religions, which has always been fascinating to me and just made the idea of God of war that much more entertaining because they, they don't represent every God exactly as they were. But they they do their research. They they may it looks like they make their choices on which gods need to change a little bit to fit the story. Um, you meet so spoiler. Um, 
one of the first moments, because I'm trying to make sure that I stick to talking about just Kratos and being a father now. So Kratos is back and, and they, you know, he comes back from taking boy out hunting. And that's what he calls him through most of the game is boy um, teaching him to hunt. And they put the mother on the pyre and, you know, turn her to ash and stuff like that. And they're staying at their house for the night as, as the boy wants to get ready to go. And Kratos is saying, we're not ready yet. And Kratos isn't ready yet. And there's a knock on the door and, and he's like, I know you're in there, you know, come to the door, come to the door. And so Kratos is like, boy, get under here, boy, get under here. And he opens up a, a like a hatch that's under a, a rug in their house and, and Atreus is like, I, you said never go down there. He goes, go down there now. And he said, you know, so he said it with a real gravelly voice and then closed it down and hit him. And he opens the door and it's this kind of, have you ever seen the techno Viking meme? Just that big Viking guy that's like dancing down the street. Um, I don't think so. Some people will notice it. Some people won't. But just this tattooed up, bald, shirtless guy in the dead of winter is in front of Kratos's house and he's probably a foot shorter than Kratos and he starts talking shit to him and he's like, Hey, who, who else is in there? And he's like, nobody's in here. It's just me. And he says, you need to leave. And he's like, no, you know, I have some things that we need to talk about. He said, I told you to leave. And then the guy punches him and Kratos just takes it, you know, right in the jaw. And I was like, okay, whatever. And he's like, I told you to leave. And the guy doesn't leave. So, Kratos is actually showing a lot of restraint, which is not the Kratos that was in the original God of Wars. Um, and he doesn't want to fight. He just wants the guy to go. Well, finally, the guy pushes. And this character is actually Baldur. Um, you don't find out till much later that it's Baldur. But Kratos gets to the, gets to the point to where he's about to forcibly send him off. And then he just gets sucker punched, like through the house into a mountain. And the the shock on Kratos' face is great. You only get it for a second and then it turns into rage. And this is right at the very beginning of the game. And it's about a 20 minute fight between the two of these guys. And as soon as the fight's over, he kills Baldur and he runs back to check on Atreus Atreus is okay, asks what happens. They have conversations about, you know, you can't think about your enemy because your enemy isn't thinking about you. They're only thinking about survival, things like that. So that's kind of the first interactions that you see, but there's no real emotion that he's putting out that he loves his son that much outside of wanting to make sure that he's keeping him safe. Um, but that's, that's the thing that pushes Kratos and Atreus to actually start heading to the mountain. They can't stay there anymore because for some reason, one of the minor gods came and picked a fight with Kratos out of nowhere and almost killed Kratos. Uh, which is, which is another cool thing that they've done with him is it's not, combat isn't as agile and fast paced as it was in the previous God of Wars. It's slower and more hard hitting, which... Kratos is older and more worn out and tired. And uh, so they start their journey from there. And interject with any any questions that you have as I'm going, because I'm not going to try to just hit the beats quick of, of some of the things that happen. But 
interject anytime. Yeah, no, I, I just, uh, I'm letting you talk about number four. And then, you know, that was why I asked, like, what what is the the difference in the character portrayal from then to now? You know. Yeah. So the so so where where it really starts to grow is there's a they do a lot of small things with facial features with how he says things and he's very he's very rough with Atreus and, and how he speaks is you know Atreus will Atreus is is an AI controlled character in the game that shoots bow or shoots arrows at enemies to distract him and stuff. And then he'll also, he's also a very smart kid that can decipher these languages because he spent a lot of time with his mom who knew this area very well. And he can explain what different things are in this new world because, you know, as a Spartan, Kratos grew up with Greek mythology, not with the Norse mythology. So Atreus is also kind of your guide through here. And, and Kratos listens. But at other points, Kratos says, you know, boy, you need to stop. And he says, yeah, but... Osigidi said, don't make me say it again. And it's always this really deep voice. And the second time he says something, Atreus always shuts up and says, okay. Um, so as, as things continue, as the journey continues, or really begins, there's little, there's the little facial tics that you get where he, you know, makes a mention at, at, um, Atreus, or, or, or whenever mentioned says, or I'm, let me restate all that because I just completely lost how to speak. Mm. So whenever Atreus says something, Kratos will make like a little proud nod, you know, eye gesture at him or something where where Atreus won't see it, but you'll see that he sees that he's growing. And whenever they have to help each other out, where you know they need to solve or get to a higher area and. Kratos kind of gives a boost to Atreus to get up there. He keeps his eye on Atreus the whole time, never looks away from him. Um, so, so you can see that he's very protective of him. And then as as things start to progress, there's there's moments where he's about to put his arm around him, but then he he pulls back, things like that that Atreus doesn't see. And what's really great about the growth is it's it's a very slow growth between the characters and and the the best example of it is they they get through this area and they are out in this big water area they they find the world serpent and the world serpent tries to speak to him he doesn't understand the language and atreus explains who the world serpent is and immediately without how it has normally been where it's just lesson after lesson. Like, look, because they fight humans at one point and it really fucks with Atreus. And he has that conversation again. Like they were there to kill you. You cannot worry about the fact that you killed one of them because they were there to do it to you. And Atreus has a lot of issues with it. He kind of pulls them through it. And then as after, after this world serpent shows up, Kratos says, so what did he say? Did you understand his language? And he said, no, I didn't. He goes, okay. And so they're, they're driving, or they're, they're pushing their boat to go to wherever they need to go. And Atreus says, dad, do you, do you have any stories to tell? And he goes, yes, I have one. And I don't think I'm going to have to paraphrase this. He says, there was a, there was a tortoise in the hare. The hare showed no restraint and went as fast as he could, but the 
tortoise took his time. The tortoise won the race. And he's like, Dad, you don't tell me any stories, do you? And he's like, no, boy. And that's the end of it. That's just the level of, of how he knows to interact with a kid. Later on, Atreus asks him to tell another story. And he goes into a story. It's I'm going to paraphrase this one because he spends more time on this story. Um, it's a story about a horse that wants revenge on a boar or something like that. And a man comes to help him, but he has to put... Uh, is it called a bridle or a bit or something? The thing that goes in a horse's mouth. I don't. I don't. I think it's a bit. The horse has to wear a bit to get revenge on this other. I think it's a boar or some kind of animal. Kills it, gets his revenge, and then he says, "Okay, now you can take the bit out of my mouth." And the man says, "No, now you're mine." And so Atreus. It, it's a much longer story with more detail in it than that original tortoise and the hare story. And so Atreus says, so ultimately the, the story is about giving up your freedom for revenge. And Kratos says, that, that's correct, boy. And he said, so was it worth it? And Kratos just as flat as can be says, yes. And so, and then Atreus is like, okay. And it kind of grows from there. Little by little, they're starting to become closer and closer. And you're, you're seeing the growth and then they get to the... And this is the finer part that I'm going to say about it. So, And then spoilers will be over for God of War. Um, they, they, that, that growth continues. Where they start to talk a little bit more. Kratos becomes an angry father at times. Uh, whenever Atreus does something that could get him killed. Because he wants him to stay safe. And it's more and more clear of why he's being this way. But but where it really happens is where you really see how much Kratos cares is they're coming up over this hill and this, I think they're elves or something like that, but they fly around, grabs Atreus and flies off and they have a spear about to stab him. And Kratos goes full on Spartan rage, which is where he's just like blind rage, can destroy people with just a punch or two. And... You destroy all these guys, constantly yelling out for Atreus. And then he punches through the side of a, I don't know, some huge monument of some sort and pushes the thing over to kill all the guys that were about to kill Atreus. And I mean, this thing's like a, it's like a mountain that he punches through to, to push it over to save the kid. And he immediately <coughs> jumps over. And he's like, are you okay, boy? Are you okay? And as soon as he is, he's like, okay, come on. And he's much more gentle with him for a little bit. And then they... They move on and their relationship continues to grow in that way where you see the old, tired, battered Kratos is no longer, you know, only three or four hours in. The The dynamic of Kratos is always going to protect the kid is starting to become the kid is going to kind of help Kratos along because Kratos isn't the agile 20-something you know, young God that he was. He's an old man that's tired and worn out. And after a fight, he's breathing heavy. And so now the boy is starting to show some promise and and helping him win these fights. And there's a lot of different things they do together and how they beat up bigger monsters and stuff. And so the relationship grows in a very dynamic and and very natural way where you really see Kratos is, is more reserved, tries not to fight, you know, the kid's really curious and running off to places like, no, stay, you know, take it slow, slow down. And so you went from the brash, crazy Kratos to a, let me take my time before I get there, Kratos, and be careful and 
things like that. There, there's there's almost a tinge of fear in Kratos now because this kid's here with him and he doesn't want anything to happen to him. So it's been a very, very interesting evolution. And, and once I finish the game, we'll get back and we'll talk about the overall story of it and how it did with Norse mythology, much like what we did with the council. Um, so the evolution has really clearly followed his like age progression. Yes, physically and mentally, which is... Which is really cool because whenever you think of the gods, you don't think of a god, you know, slowing down in his old age, but he gets worn out and he's part human. So he does get worn out and and his age does take a toll on him. And, and it's been very interesting to see that because, the like I said, he's a lot stronger now than he was also. I mean, you know, he, he's a lot. He, he is a lot stronger. Yeah, he's much stronger. The The combat is much... How he fights is much more brutal with much less finesse. He doesn't rely as much on his speed as he does on just his raw strength at this point, which is, you know, after however many... they He hasn't really said how old Kratos is at this point, but after how long he's been alive, you know, he's all he is is muscle at this point. Um, you know, he picks up trees and carries them around. And... But he, but he doesn't have that finesse. You don't see him jumping around and doing flips and air combos and stuff like that. You know, how he gets somebody into the air to do an air combo is, or, you know, beat them up while they're not able to touch the ground is he slams them so hard to the ground, they bounce. And then he just beats them up while they're, you know, on the, the bounce off the ground. So it's a much slower, much more brutal, strength-based style of Kratos versus the the older very agile fast moving one do you think they did the story itself a disservice by choosing to give him a son instead of a daughter no i um and here i'll preface my question with this so then it might give you a little more context for your answer the only reason i ask that is because the way you describe kratos and Atreus's relationship is very, very much akin to relationships that I've heard, like father-son relationships that I've heard from like guy friends where the dad is just like the stoic, silent, like, this is how you should be, and I'm going to show you the way it should be done, and I will never show emotion or show you compassion or hug you or touch you or kiss you. And, like, that's certainly one uh, route that, like, fathers can take, I'm sure, especially when it comes to the way you yourself were raised. And so I just, I wonder from knowing people who've had relationships like that with their dads and how those people have um, some, uh, what would the right word be? Not issues, but they have some, some, they're constantly worried that they're not going to live up to their father's expectations or standards. And so hearing you explain the relationship between this father and son, I'm, I'm just wondering if, the kind of stoic, uh, non-emotional relationship between them is expressed in like 
like I, I'm just I haven't played it obviously, so I'm interest. I would be interested right. to see like the emotional impact it would have because you said when he finally does start showing how much he cares and how worried he is about his son's well being, it's like how much of an emotional impact does that moment actually have? You know. I for for me, I, of course, I just have one kid, and it's Chloe's, so I have a daughter. Um, but I've been able to relate to certain issues that, uh, so this is going to sound totally off topic or totally, totally out of nowhere. And like, it's not going to relate, but it does. So I coached her soccer team for a little while, Chloe, Chloe's soccer team for a season before she was done with, with soccer. Actually, most of the team was done with soccer at that point. We played a season, had fun, and then they wanted to try something new and I knew soccer. So I wasn't going to coach basketball or anything like that, but there was a, there was a particular game where soccer like FIFA. Yeah, like FIFA. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I I've been I've been missing my FIFAs recently. It. It's I've completely fallen off saying FIFA, which I shouldn't because the World Cup starts in just a little bit over a month. Oh, um, I know it's we're closing in. Oh man, it's gonna be so good. But so I was so I was coaching her team, and there was another team that was very very good. And some of the girls did some dirty things to some of our better players. And I always looked at all the girls on the team like they were my kids while they were out there. That you know, if one of them got hurt, it was on me. I had to make sure they were safe. And my my assistant, he and I talked about dad rage at one point because they were doing all these things that were trying to take out some of our better players with like pushing them over and one of them put their cleats in the side of another girl's knee. And then while she was on the ground in pain, they kept on going. So it was me who I've never been in a fight before. I'm a pacifist and good at talking myself out of trouble. And then it's these three big, you know, macho, let's go eat wings five at a time while we're drinking a beer and then throw it at somebody just to start a fight. Those kind of guys were coaching the other team. And and that may not be what they really are like, but whenever we're out there, that's what it seemed like. Um, But that happened. And I... I just stomped over to the other side and looked at the three of them. And I said, if that kind of shit ever happens again, you have to answer to me. And who am I to go up against three other dudes by myself, much less go make a threat? They're like, what are are you talking about, man? What did we do? And I was like, you saw what you did. You were yelling to have your kids keep on playing after they injured one of our best players so you could win. Like, "These these are little kids. Like, don't do this shit again or else I'm going to come over and you're going to be the ones on the ground. And I walked off and then we, we started and and the next time that one of the girls got hurt, he told his entire team to take a knee. Excuse me. I, for, for me, I'm a teddy bear. I'm not the kind of guy I, I can, I can talk my way out of stuff. I can look big and scary because I'm, I'm a fairly large guy. I'm, you know, a little bit over six, one, and I'm, you know, my, I come from stocky, a stocky build, um, stocky family. But for me to go up to somebody like that and be able to actually scare those three guys into completely changing how they play. And, and there was another moment where a dad came up to me and started yelling at me and saying that our parents were talking shit. And I was like, dude, that's enough. Go sit down, shut up, and we're done with it. And my assistant and I talked about it. And it's dad rage. There's, whenever you become a parent of a daughter or a son 
if you ever see anything going on that could potentially hurt your kid, this this rage, this bear comes out that could destroy anything. I, I mean, you know, you hear the stories of people lifting cars off their kids. It's the same thing as, as what we were calling dad rage or the daddy bear. Same thing as a mommy, mama bear. Um, so I, I think having a girl... So what I'm saying there is is that the rage comes out daughter or son. Um, I think having a son in this story probably was only chosen because his first kid was a daughter. And he, I think that that would be a very different story they'd have to tell because that kid would remind him of his daughter even more so than having another child. You know, because he would see his daughter in this other little girl and it would give him all kinds of, you know, it'd almost be a, a psychological thing at that point. Whereas with the son, he's just very closed off, but very protective. And I don't think the fact that Atreus is a boy is the reason that Kratos acts the way he does. I think Kratos acts that way because he's Kratos. And he's just, he's gone through so much shit and he's very careful about stuff and he doesn't trust the gods. He doesn't trust the world. He doesn't trust anything. And so it would be interesting if it was a girl and it could have worked just fine. But I, I, I think with having the boy in there, it, it gives it a relatable kind of father son story and it separates it a little bit from what it's getting compared to somewhat, which is, you know, God of us or, Last of War, which is kind of what the game is, is a, you know, if it was a daughter, then it would have been Kratos and Ellie or whatever her name was, essentially going through the same thing, but in the Norse world. And so with this, you have a differentiation by changing it up, changing the dynamic a little bit. So it's probably easier for some people who don't overthink these things to see a father treating his son that way, as opposed to his father treating a daughter that way. Um, uh, wait, but, I, you... but I don't think it changes it up enough to, to really matter. I, I think, I think it works out fine with Atreus being, you know, have him having a son now and how he acts that way. Hmm. So I don't know if that answers exactly what you were asking, but I, I don't think that there's a, I don't think it matters which way they went. I think that having the sun just makes it a little bit easier for a, a wider audience of <coughs> people understanding how, you know, a son and father are going to have kind of, because the boy gets real shitty with him sometimes too. Um, but there may be more story elements to the reason that they chose a boy. You know, Atreus may become the next character in the God of War series because they they said they have a whole bunch of plans for him. So who knows? Hmm. Um, well, it'll be interesting to so, see, and we can revisit the evolution. But it just, yeah, it just to me as an outsider, the God of War series always sounded a little bit, uh, I guess, rudimentary to me until everyone has been talking about this most recent game and how they took a page out of The Last of Us by bringing in a kid into the story. But then hearing you talk about it, I've I've kind of, just from hearing you talk about it, I've kind of made up my mind thinking like, eh, I don't know, that doesn't sound like something I personally would want to play just because I 
I it's and it's probably also from like past experiences and those friends that I mentioned who have dads that treat them like that where I'm like eh that doesn't sound very appealing to me you know and that was kind of where my question was coming from yeah and and I'll whenever I finish the game and and do the review of it because we're gonna do a kind of a second opinion review from from me as a you know father playing the game versus the review that we put up which he he actually uh who was it Dennis or Derek that did the review for it Daniel who did the review for it um he gave it a 6.7 which I was really surprised about and I'm not reading the review to see why he gave it that review or that score yet because I don't want to potentially spoil anything that's coming up but it, honestly if I was looking back or if if I tried to put my oh uh Calum Davis uh did the review of a 6.7 um if I was to put myself in the position of me and Chloe having to do this at that point I would probably be this harsh with her because her survival completely relied on me being upfront about it you know being just straight and hard with her like don't go touch that light you know we don't know what it is stay back and let me handle it because it's, it's all about keeping her safe and so ultimately that I I can relate to it and it makes sense and and as it continues I there's already an evolution going on of of their relationship and it, I'm very curious to see where it ends up it's it's one of the things that brings me back more than anything else is is watching them grow together and right now the boys pissed off and the last thing that happened was was Kratos went into the Bifrost for what seems like 30, 45 seconds, comes out because he gets pulled out by his son. He gets pissed off. And and uh, he's like, "What? why did you pull me out? Because he was just about to see his wife again. And he's like, you've been in there forever. I just saved your life. And, and Kratos said, no, I've, I was only in there for moments. And then he looks around and there's arrows sticking out of just piles of bodies and Atreus walks up and pulls a dagger out of a guy's head and Kratos' axe is in somebody else's head because he left it with him whenever we went into the Bifrost. And he's like, how long was he in there? And he's like, you were in there for a long time. And there's just bodies everywhere that, that Atreus has been protecting his father while he was in this light and it, going through this whole different kind of world. And uh, so there's this evolution where all of a sudden now Kratos is like, holy shit, my kid can not only handle himself, he can handle himself. Like, he tore up a whole bunch of people. And so, uh, so he has to respect his son. He has to respect Atreus for what he can do. So, there's more of an evolution of, oh, boy, you tore some, you ripped these guys a new asshole. And that's, maybe I don't have to worry as much about you yet, or anymore. And and that's kind of kind of where the story's going. So, I would definitely come back and report more whenever we get to that point to where the game's completely okay. done and we talk about Sounds how the Norse great. mythology come Because I want to talk about the the representation of the mythology as well in the game and, and all that Ooh. stuff, but that's for another podcast. And now knowing that you have a background in that too, that'll be a lot of fun. I would love so. to do that. I guess I got to play God of War now, which I'm not mad about. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm telling you... The relationship sounds like it's really brutal, but you get it once you're in there. Okay. And the game is incredibly fun. Okay. I, well, I don't, I don't agree with the review that we have up right now. But oh, okay. those are opinions, and 
you know, I'll put up my opinion once I'm done with it. Uh, Laura Croft usually touches on mythology pretty pretty well too, you know. Yeah, she does. So give us give us the evolution of triangle boobies on the front of the box <laughs> and and what was it ninety. Oh, we, yeah, we had the year on that in one of the last podcasts. Some, it was yeah. like, yeah, right around there, I think. So in that area up to today, because I, I did not play the last one very much at all. Um, yeah. So I don't know Laura's story, like how much she's evolved at all. Oh, yeah. So I'll, I'll do kind of similar to you and talk. The majority of my focus will be on the newer games. But um, Laura, Lara, L-A-R-A, kind of just came guns blazing onto the scene, as you know. And she was sort of like a female version of Indiana Jones. And then slowly she took on her own persona. And that was in part due to like, oh, let's make her British. Oh, let's make her a lady, you know, and give her all this money. And she has all these resources and... And I, I don't want to say she, she wasn't a deep character because she was in her own way at the time. Like, she was an incredibly evolved character given the technology at the time. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, she, she had a personality that made sense at the time period. She, yeah. she was quippy and stuff and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was witty and clever and um, courageous and all that stuff. And I think once once the reboot came around, where it was Angel of Darkness, and I believe that was in two thousand one or something like that, <coughs> they realized the formula that they used for the developers realized the formula they'd been using had gone a little stale uh you can only travel to so many locations and search for one really big artifact so many times um and in angel of darkness they tried to come up with a semi-complicated plot that had some drama in it and there was some there was like a love interest and um it just kind of fell flat. It, it it might have been a little too dramatic and a little too dark. It, it just it didn't really go with with the series, I think, or with with her persona. Uh, but then with Legend and I can't remember the the other two. I know Anniversary was in there somewhere. Again, they were just using the same Laura that everyone was very familiar with. Certainly, updated technology and. It, the games were gorgeous, but again, using that same formula of I'm going to travel to multiple locations all over the world and I'm searching for some kind of artifact that has secret powers and obviously not just going to run into supernatural or animal enemies. I'm going to also start fighting other humans. And no, I'm not trying to discredit those early games. But I think very much as you touched on with the newest God of War, as technology changes and and as game games themselves change, so does the storytelling and so does the ability to portray more 
emotional depth within a game. And so, right. As, sorry, go ahead. No, I was I was agreeing with you that the 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 motion capture and facial capture and stuff makes a big difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. And so going into the reboot in 2013, just titled Tomb Raider, I'm so happy that the writers of the game were like, okay, we need to start anew. We need a different angle. We know this tried and true Laura Croft that people love. She, again, has all these resources at her disposal. She's a badass. She doesn't rely on anyone but herself, you know, X, Y, and Z, yada, yada. We all know. So then taking the angle of this is Laura's first adventure. This is what like turned her into the survivor that we know and love, AKA the origin story, which is becoming more and more popular now when people need to reboot a franchise. I, I think they just executed it wonderfully they, uh, admittedly, I was a little disappointed there wasn't more of a supernatural element in the games. There were definitely enemies, and, and there was the, uh, uh, I don't really want to spoil it if someone hasn't played, but there were supernatural elements, but I, I remember seeing early concept art of the enemies that you would face. And they looked so scary. It looked like something out of the grudge because we all knew it was going to be somewhere in the, in Japan or around that area. And uh, needless to say, when the the supernatural villains do appear on scene near the end, they're not they're scary, but they're not what I saw from the concept art. But that's an aside. <clears throat> when you meet this this new Lara, she's really young and I guess we can assume she's done with school and she's essentially going on a trip with a, with one of her good friends and her mentor uh, and they've chartered a boat so they kind of have a crew about them and she's looking to essentially solve a mystery that her father died trying to solve. So there's kind of your a catalyst of the whole story, why the conflict started and why she was set on this journey. And so naturally, Laura is able to figure out where the the hidden island is that they're trying to go to. And, <clears throat> and it's kind of like the Japanese version of the Bermuda Triangle. And there they sail in there, and of course their boat capsizes and explodes and everything else and she's sort of thrown adrift uh from the rest of the the her crew members and washes up on shore and it's kind of from there it's very realistic in the sense of okay what do i need to do right now to find the rest of my team and so as you start that first objective, which again, it's very realistic in the sense of if, if that happened to you and you washed up on shore, what is your first logical move going to be? Okay, I need to find the rest of my company and I need to get dry and find shelter. And that's exactly where it throws you. So this game is already very realistic and much more gritty than the previous games where 
you often start off the game with full ammunition and guns and and gear and whatever else you could ask for. But now you're literally just out and about with nothing. And through a series of events, she gets captured and then strung up in a cave. I'm sure people remember this from the game trailer. But she quickly realizes there's something else going on on this island and the people who live on the island are very hostile. And the story that takes her, that that goes throughout this whole game is essentially just the trials that she has to face to become the Lara that we recognize. So for example, in order to get your first weapon, which is this really shitty, crude bow and arrow, she has to climb up a tree and pull it off a dead body. And that's certainly very traumatic if you're not used to seeing dead bodies and looting dead bodies. And I think the game did a good job of putting emotional weight on these moments, especially the the actress who who did all the motion capture for Laura, even though I know we've talked about the voice acting and her whimpering and everything like that. But this <laughs> I remember that, yeah, <laughs> that was a little too much. But this voice actress still did a really good job of acting out the anxiety and the fear and the hesitation of these milestone moments that changed this young woman. So so another example would be Lara's first kill where she gets captured again and this is actually this game was one of the first not was is the first game that showcased Lara being inappropriately approached by a man like he he like kind of like pets her face and puts his arm down her waist and everyone knows Lara Croft is a gorgeous busty woman and so her as a young woman being in this vulnerable position and the game writers decided to include that element it really instills that fear of I am physically in danger I am in physical peril I need to get out of here at any cost necessary, which was sort of an emotional urgency, an emotional weight that wasn't present in previous games, or at least I never felt it in previous games. Like, certainly you're in danger because enemies are shooting at you, but it was never like, holy shit, I have nothing to defend myself, and this dude is making unwanted advances. And so when Laura is confronted with this moment, she like, bites off his ear or something and then has a str- her hands are tied and she's struggling with him and it's one of those quick time moments where you have to like you pick something up and then you have to aim the gun and essentially he's like leaning right over you so you shoot him in the head and it's just right in front of you uh, as Laura you know it's right in front of her this her killing this man this confrontation happens and it's sort of like what you were describing in God of War where you can't think about your enemy as a person, that person's trying to kill you or hurt you or violate you physically and you need to protect yourself at all costs, like kill or be be killed. And so again, this, these sort of emotional um, triggers are really heavy in, in, in the new game and 
you begin to see how Laura became this really hardened survivor. And they even include bits of dialogue where she'll kill a deer because she needs to eat. And when she goes up to skin the deer, she says like, oh, I'm sorry, or something like that. And it, it that little added bit, no matter how small it is, it really makes you feel bad for killing the deer. And I, I think, again, I, I, they, the, the writers did a fantastic job of showcasing sort of the emotional journey she had to go on in order to get off that island. And then the, the second game, Rise of the Tomb Raider, essentially picks up very close to where the first one ended. So she's still very early on in her career, but she now has allies that made it through the end of the first game with her. And she's a little more experienced, but but the writers did a good job of weaving in new elements and new emotional uh, hurdles that you have to get over that, again, only add to, oh, now I see why she prefers to work alone. And, oh, I see why she... <clears throat> Uh, doesn't trust the people that her dad worked with and and it's it's a very it's a very well-told origin story to say the least so do you think that the her growth was at the right pace or did it feel i know it was really Mainly over these two games because it was it was kind of a reboot of her character rather than an evolution of her character. But do you feel like they she grew at the right pace, or do you feel like there was kind of an unnatural jump at, at any particular moment? I don't think there was ever an unnatural jump, but I I did kind <clears throat> of wonder at times. Uh, in, in the first game, her mentor who was with her and kind of was her encouraging voice over the walkie-talkie, like, you can do this, just trust yourself, like, you have the grit, you're a croft, you can do it. Uh, his name is Roth. And they never really talked that much about their relationship and why she trusted him so much and how they worked together. Because they also didn't really give much context into why is she such a great climber? Why is she so great with a bow and arrow why and i know those are that's nitpicking certainly but you can't help but wonder like she's able to just pick up a bow and be totally a straight shot you know i mean there's certainly elements of uh like rpg elements where you build up your equipment and build up your skills and all that but that was kind of the only thing where I was like, oh, she automatically was a really good athlete. And it, it might have helped to get a couple cinematics maybe of when she was younger and, and do, doing gymnastics class. I don't know, because everyone knows Laura jumps around and does flips and stuff like that. I guess not in these new games, but in the old games, that was yeah. her, her thing. And I go ahead. I, I kind of got the Superman effect from her, the or the the like eighties nineties Superman effect of like we needed her to know how to use a bow and arrow, so she knows how to use a bow and arrow, and that was the one thing that always pulled me out of it a little bit. Like, 
I get it that she's a historian and she's following her dad's stuff, but she picked up a bow and she can shoot a guy with a machine gun that's, you know, 50, 100, 150 yards away the first time she picked it up, really? And it was it was the same thing with Superman. Like, oh, something is on, something's on fire. Let me use this frost breath I've never used ever before or ever mentioned. You know, it, it kind of had that same feel to me. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. So that, that's the only thing... And granted, I I've, most of my time with Tomb Raider was the early Tomb Raiders, like one and two, and I think I played three a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but one and two were the ones I played the most. Yeah. So I remember just kind of the quips and stuff like that. But you know, she ran around and fought a T Rex with a gun. Yeah. I didn't yeah. question that. I was just like, the, "This is the world we live in now." There's <laughs> this a game is where it. there's. Yeah. <laughs> There's a girl who decided to put on Daisy Dukes or whatever to go crawling through a cave, and she's fighting a T-Rex with pistols. Yeah. Sure. I didn't question anything. <laughs> yeah, they... But with the new ones, you know, it's a little bit... It's a little bit character-heavy. Not not in a bad way. It's much more character-driven. And so whenever she picks up a bone arrow and she's, you know, uh, Artemis. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, wow, you must have done archery when you were a kid. You know, like they could have yeah. worked that in there somehow. Like her and Roth talking. At least have her like, because wasn't there a part where she's walking through her house at the beginning of. No, oh, there's, yeah, there were multiple times where you could explore Croft Manor and she had her like. Uh, Put some trophies up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like work Just... it in there somehow. Just have an archery trophy, a, a rock climbing trophy, and whatever other superpower trophy she needs. And then there you go. Yeah. It's all explained. Yeah. And there so. was another thing in... Uh, I don't think it's in the the first reboot, but in Rise of the Tomb Raider, a new element they added was her learning to read and... Uh, I guess just read, actually, uh, foreign languages... Which was oh, kind of funny because yeah. yeah, like, she'll like walk cool. up to uh, um, some kind of artifact and be like, oh, my Greek's a little bit rusty. And then it's like, you need level two Greek in order to discern the cipher. <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, how do I get level two Greek? And it's her just going around like looking at portraits and stuff like, hmm, it looks like this is the prophet and he's scaring away these heathens i don't know and and then it's like greek <laughs> level advanced greek. yeah it's like what? Yeah. that doesn't make the, sense like the, the first time that happened it's like you know now you're better at greek i was like cool uh, well that was easy yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like man i wish i could learn languages this way yeah like look at this awesome picture from germany i now speak better german yeah 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 like oh that thank god i stopped to look at that picture and it's annoying because you'll get like waypoints and markers and you'll miss i guess not entirely important elements of the story but it there'll be plot points that are explained if you can read these things but it's like i don't want to take the time to walk up to every single little artifact and when i'd rather like move on in the story or <clears throat> do a side quest or explore one of their uh what are those things called a a side temple or or whatever i can't think of it off the top of my head but yeah there there were definitely a few few things that were kind of problematic like really like uh, 
that's not yeah. quite as elegant as the rest of the story is written. But again, I, is, these are that's kind of nitpicking, I guess. Yeah, and it, it's funny because they actually have the same thing happens in God of War because. Atreus is actually able to read some of the Norse stuff because he learned it from his mom, but only a little bit. And there's some stuff that Kratos asked him to read, and he's like, I can't read it. We need to find a cipher. And as you go around, you start finding these different ciphers, which once you have them all together, then he can kind of decipher it because he's a really smart kid, and he he's really good with language. That's one of his things <coughs> that they explained very early. And so I, I hopefully with Shadow of the Tomb Raider coming up soon, we get a little bit more explanation of, you know, where some of these skills came mm-hmm. from or whatever. Because God of War, they, they did it right. And I would have had the same problem with Atreus if he's just like, oh, yeah, I know this Norse language from, you know, forever ago because mom talked about it once. No, he, he's like, I, I understand the, the basic ideas, but I need a cipher so that I can kind of figure out what it actually means. And then I can start breaking it down and get the gist of what it says. Mm. Not the, now I can read the whole book. Yeah, like I know? can translate this whole thing now. Yeah. <laughs> I hope somebody comes up that speaks Latin because now I speak Latin fluently. Yeah, yeah now I speak so, Latin. <laughs> <laughs> it may be a dead, dead language, but not to not me. Not to me, yeah. <laughs> oh, but... Um, I can keep going on Laura, but I, I feel like I I covered my overarching sentiment of the it, her character her rebooted her rebutted her re the character in the reboot is a very logical starting point and and a very well written early Lara. Like I I love what they did. I. I don't really have any complaints in terms of the way they wrote her character and the way they made her out to be, aside from the screeching, inhaling, breathing. Because I don't think Laura would do that. But How'd it go? (laughs) (laughs) That's just a call back to what, like the first episode we did? (laughs) It hurts the ears a little bit when you hear it, honestly. I'm sure I hurt your ears, <laughs> but no, it's good. I just took my headset oh, off. Oh, good, oh, good. I just burst your <laughs> your head, blew out your headphones. Oh. Yeah, only one side's working now, so that's okay. I'll survive. But yeah, I that's I'm okay. happy with the character progression. I'm really excited for Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and I am too. I'm yeah. I'm curious to see where they go with both of these characters because it, it seems like. With as many reboots as we're getting uh, across the board on everything, it's nice to see that people are actually looking at them and going, how would they have grown? Yeah. And so I'm I'm curious to see in Shadow what happens here. Because it's the final of, this is part three of the trilogy as far as I know. Yeah, that's correct. And so it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of have her, how dark she's willing to get because I'm, I'm hearing this is going to get dark. Yeah, that's what I've heard um, as well. Actually, I heard that from you, I'm pretty sure. So. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. Um, well, I say that we save Nathan Drake for another one. Okay. Because we're, we're already running somewhat, uh, somewhat on the long end. 
Okay. Um, and I feel like Nathan Drake, you and I would both. Oh, just go we're gonna just be like fan girling yeah. <laughs> and fan boying oh, over God. him. I'll fangirl okay. all over him. I, um, I didn't want to assume anything. <laughs> oh, Nathan Drake is a stud, oh, and I would God. go nuts about him for a long time. And and really, we I, I think that Nathan Drake and the Uncharted series deserves its own thing at some point because it kind of heralded in a whole new. Um, era of gaming of what could be done and it wasn't just because of nathan drake it was because of all the characters and mm-hmm. i think at some point just like how we talked about with some of the movies if, if they're still doing the nathan drake movie in the nathan drake movie the uncharted movie um which i think uh the last time you and i looked that up the kid who plays the new spider-man is going to be, he was cast as Nathan Drake, but the movie itself is going to be an origin story. That's the okay, last so, I heard of it, but that, that I haven't looked that up in quite some time. Yeah, so the his upcoming effort as Uncharted Adventure of Nathan Drake will, by contrast, embrace the origin story concept. Um, so it's going to take place... It's based on Uncharted, but it doesn't take place during any time period of any of the Uncharted video games. It actually takes place when Nathan Drake and Sully, I guess you'd call him his surrogate father, were much younger. It's an origin story that evolves out of the game, but is not from the game. So I think maybe once we get a little bit closer to that, because I love Tom Holland. I think he's going to be fantastic. Um, Yeah, I like him a lot, too. And he's he's as charming as can be. Um, so maybe as we get closer to that, or once that launches, then we'll do a whole Uncharted fangirl episode <laughs> where we just go nuts over all of Yay. it. Because we could, we could go on for hours. And, and if we can throw in the movie as well and talk about what the movie did right and wrong and how well Spider-Man does transitioning to Nathan Drake, then that could be kind of... Uh, Maybe maybe we hold that for that point. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good to and, me. Yeah, I don't see a, a release date for it yet, but I will say that I am much more excited um, for Tom Holland playing this role after seeing Infinity War because he's he's so good in Infinity War in the see. parts that he's in. He's great. Uh, you, once you see it. We're going to have a discussion. Yeah, let's do it. And it's going to be awesome because I'm not even going to say what I'm going to title the thing because I'm going to do an editorial about it and then I want us to have a discussion about it also. I'm not going to say what the title is yet um, because it's it's, a, it's going to be a fun discussion. So there's some stuff that's coming up soon. And we have, uh, just like Gaming Astoria, there's going to be a couple of guest episodes that pop in here and there as... Olivia and I work on other things and, and get bigger episodes going in the near future. You're going to, you know, stay tuned to the channel. Um, leave us a review on Apple, please. An honest review. We're not going to go out and say, please give us five stars. No, give us what we deserve and leave us comments of why. If it's a five-star show, tell us you love it. If it's not, tell us why it's not. And, you know, it'll give us some guidance. And hit GamingHistoria.com. Uh, follow us at gaming underscore historia on Twitter. That's where you'll find our current giveaways that are going on, which is quite a few games we're giving away. Um, we also have 
in the very near future, probably next month, if you haven't visited Patreon, I would do it soon because uh, we may just have something that we talked about at some point in this podcast going out to one of our patrons uh, in the next month. And that'll be just the tip of the iceberg of things that'll be coming to patrons. So you can support everything that we do through the podcast, through the show and all that, through the podcast, or through the websites, uh, by going on Patreon, becoming a patron, win some free stuff, and, you know, follow our streams and all that stuff. You'll find all that on Gaming Historia. But we would appreciate reviews on Apple. Helps us out a lot, gives us some feedback, and helps other people find the show as well. So that's everything I got. What do you have? Yeah, just thank you for listening and had a great time talking with you, Chris. It's good to hear your voice again. <laughs> and yeah, Aww, I, you too. I had a great time this week and look forward to next week. Yeah, and get ready for the council part two, the oh, recounseling, yeah. because man, I am. <laughs> all I know is they're introducing some new characters, and I think it's called Hide and Seek. Oh, so. Uh, Oh, God, I am going to lose my shit all over that game again. I guarantee it. Now we'll and really see the dad rage. Oh, it's it's uh, it's going to be full on. I'm going to I'm going to have a pipe, <laughs> an old man pipe, and and I'm going to have a rocking chair. I'll just be like, in my day, you know, <laughs> this is how we treated characters. We treated them like they were supposed to be treated. Back in not my this day, bullshit I six, knew not George the- Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I used to hang out with Napoleon, he was not six foot two. <laughs> he was five foot seven, like every other good boy back then. And Jesus, what are these people doing with these video games these days? Oh, I'm so tired of all these people and their technology. Get back to the real world. Look outside. There's sun up in the sky. You'll enjoy it. Um, so there we go. Yeah, I'll do uh, that whole episode. I'm going to just do old man rant. I'll do my... My future Chris, old man on the porch ramp. Yeah, make sure you get a rocking chair so we can hear the creaking. I will. I wonder, let's see if this creaks enough for a rocking chair or if I need to get a real one. Nope. Uh, it sounds like a leather chair. I anything. Oh, man, my mic is super slick then. Um, then I will get a, I, I will find a way to, to rock <laughs> and we will go from Might there. Might have to find so, a sound effect for that one. I will, um, and just put it as an underlying, just yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> yep. So, oh, and last thing, you may notice that music has not been showing up at the beginning of the episodes. I got tired of hearing it, so I bet everybody who listens weekly got tired of hearing it. So I figured, cut it. You just get to start off with the beautiful, deep tones in my voice, followed by my co-host in whatever show we're doing, and this one. My deep, booming baritone, followed up by Olivia's beautiful, angelic pipes. Yeah. Wait, so you took, out, than... you took out all the music from all the podcasts? Nope. Original, older episodes still have the music in it. The new ones that are coming up, I'm just starting them cold without the music. It, I was getting tired of hearing it, and so I figured other people probably were too. And I figured, hey, we don't need music to start off our episode. We're good enough. Okay. So... You may hear some music again at some point, but for a few episodes, we're gonna take a little break from the music, and we're just we're just gonna come right at you without warning. It's you're gonna hit play and get ready for that music, and instead you're gonna hear that, "Hey, boys and girls, here we go!" And Whoa! <laughs> there's gonna be no preparation. You're, just, you're gonna have it turned up a little bit because you like the music, and then we're gonna trick you, and you're gonna hear me screaming at you. 
Um, and then your so, speakers will be blown up too. Yep. And what we'll likely do is take a combination of the different screams that Olivia has done, mm. combine them into one crazy scream, then run it through like some kind of music thing where it makes it into a song, oh. and that'll be the intro music. Oh, no. That would be awesome. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, it's time for me to learn a new program. Might as well do it with your screams of agony. Oh, God. Yeah. Scream, <laughs> screams of emotional despair. <laughs> yep, I'll put it on my resume. Learn to use GarageBand through the screams and agony of Olivia Volari. And they'll be like, oh. oh wow, that, tell me about oh, that. Wow. <laughs> what is Why that? Why is she in <laughs> agony? <laughs> yeah. What is that? I got you to call me back, sir, so it worked. <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. Well, we outroed plenty and we introed plenty and... We got our Kratos and and Laura got another mention. She's I'm gonna have to get Kratos back out there. Laura's becoming the new FIFA. Um, oh God, she's my favorite. So I know. So well, but Nathan. Oh God, two in favorites in two completely different ways. I don't look yeah, at Laura but, sexually. <laughs> well, see, and that's where that's <laughs> where our wires are crossed. Because I do not look at Nathan sexually. What well, you totally sometimes, do? <laughs> sometimes I do. He is a he is a sexy man. He's so sexy. So, yeah. Okay. But Laura has an edge over him, um, in my eyes. So, all right. The all Kratos right. may actually be the sexiest. All I do love We're a good see how the story... big hairy, like or I guess his he has a nice beard. That's what I was trying to say. I love oh, a he's... good beard on a big bald man. <laughs> He's, oh my god no hey. take that out take that out i do love a good beard there's nothing better than a nice beard yep on a bald man yeah i agree um yeah he is the god of beards i think the next one will be god of beard oh. not god of war because that beard is massive i'd play that game beautiful yeah that's what this game is i don't know why they put war in it you're basically just walking <laughs> why around is that kid in it <laughs> Yeah, all it needed to be was him and his beard walking around through Norse mythology. Yeah, just hey, beard. Yeah, Kratos. <laughs> How you been? It's great sitting on your face. But then his like first trial, he like gets shaved, and then it's all about him getting the beard back. Oh, jeez, yeah, just just a beard growing simulator. Oh my god! But it would take years. Ugh. I know, and he would just it would just be like a a full like. Basically, watching paint dry. You just you would watch the game. You would just watch the game to slowly watch him do his thing, like walk around the house, cook dinner. Yeah, like you'd have oh, to he's leave, got more leave it going. Like, oh look, oh my god! <laughs> like, oh Jesus, I've been playing this game for four years, and he's barely got half the beard he had. Oh, this is some beautifully written code. Whatever they did, because this is brilliant. So, all right, well. If that game gets made, Gaming Story has the copyright on it, and Search of the Story has the copyright on That's it. Us. It's our game. Yep. The Beard Growing Simulator is us. We came up with that. So, no one steal it. Yep. Uh, that's probably going to be our bumper. The Beard Growing Simulator is oh, us. good, because I like that. <laughs> there are all yep. kinds of simulators out there. That's legit. <laughs> yes, there are. And that's one that's sorely missing. <laughs> so, again, reviews on uh, Apple. We would love you so much for that. And... Stay tuned to Gaming Historia, at least our Twitter feed, or Facebook, wherever you want to find us, because Chris and Andy's excellent adventure will launch soon. We're just going to 
try to get another episode or two in so that we can launch him and have a little bit of of leeway in there because uh, our first episode was a two-hour-long conversation about the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. So we figured we should do a couple extra because because they go on and they take some time to edit. So uh, keep an eye out for that too. And then, of course, Gaming a Story and Chris and Chloe and all that stuff. So thanks for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>